Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Before we dive in this morning, church, we want to take a moment and just recognize the fact that uh, without those men and women who have fought in our military protecting the freedoms that we have, we couldn't do what we're doing here in a free country. We wouldn't have the opportunity to do so. And so, many of you are in the military, you're connected in that way, you've had you know, maybe family members or grandparents, whoever it may be, who have gone before and fought to protect the freedoms and you know, whether they even saw maybe what they could see now, just an amazing thing. Can we pray together before we dive into God's word? Father, we come before you, grateful God, for the men and the women uh, who stood uh, and, and lived God, and fought, and ultimately those who have died for our freedom, God, that they sacrificed uh, their life, God, so that we can live in the freedom, God, of this country and this nation. God, the, the, the beauty and the ugly parts of our nation, God, they stood for and they fought for. And so, Father, we thank you. And before we rush off into parties and picnics, God, we just want to posture ourselves with a space of gratitude, God for those who have gone before us, to those who have, have fought for us, God, so we can do the thing that we're doing here, which is to freely be able to worship you, our creator, creator of all things. God, we're grateful that we get to have your presence in this place, God. That's not something we have to do behind closed doors, but it's a space we can come together and to be in community, God. And so, Father, we thank you for the ultimate sacrifice. And Father, as we dive into your word today, God, may our hearts be, be open, our, our, our minds ready, God. To, to see and to understand your word, God. Give us a, a fresh revelation today, God, of what you would want us to do within our lives, God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, God, be acceptable to you. Give me strength. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to welcome you, church. Uh, if we've not met, my name is Will. I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate and just honored to be able to share with you in this last week of our series called Burning questions. It's been an absolutely amazing few weeks. And if you don't know what a series is, it's a, a portion of weeks where we gather uh, and we maybe look at specific topics. Sometimes we'll look at a specific book of the Bible or a theme or, or whatever. Maybe we just kind of chase down that rabbit hole, if you will, for just a few weeks. And so over this burning questions series, we've been talking about these hot topics in society. We've been talking about things like weed and, and homosexuality and gender and, and where do you find truth. And here's what I want to encourage you. If you've not listened to all the messages, you've not had a chance to be here, whatever it may be, I want to encourage you genuinely to go back and to listen, to watch, to, to experience the things that we've learned over the last few weeks. I know I say that often, sometimes I even, I'll say it to our team members, I even say it to my family, I'm like, hey, did you listen to last week? You got to check it out. But truthfully, it's so important for us to understand what does, what does God's word say about these hot topics, these, these headline kind of issues? What, is, what does God's word say about it? What can I learn from that, that space? And so I'm just so thankful to be able to stand here today as we close this series and to, to teach uh, with you and be with you here this morning. And I'm thankful for a lead pastor and Pastor Colby who's like not afraid to just go after the hard stuff, right? Um, I'm thankful for that and to be able to lead alongside of him. Like he's not here for just all the feel good stuff, right? I mean, that feels good, but we want to be helpful too. 
We want to help you navigate and to equip. And so my encouragement and my hope is that this series, these, these seven weeks that we've been together in this Burning Question series, that maybe in three months or six months or, or, or a year from now, you would go back to and listen and, and you would kind of start to glean some more information and understanding of what God uh, would have for you in this series. Here's why this series is so important. And I, I think we've talked about this, but I want to show you an interesting t- statistic from the Barna Research Group. It says this, that 68% of Americans still consider themselves to be Christians. That's awesome. But among these self-identified Christians, only 6% have a biblical worldview. Let me break that down for you. That would mean that all these Christians that would say that they're Christians, right, 90, what, 4% aren't viewing the world through the lens of the Bible. So they want to stand for something like Christianity, but what they're standing on is quicksand. It's going to fall and sink. It's not going to last. Only 6% are standing on something that is an actual firm foundation. That is why this series has been so important to give us a, hey, the world is going crazy. We need to have a biblical worldview. How can we view everything around us? How can we view gender and all these things we've been talking about through the lens of the truth of Scripture? Not through opinions of a church, not through opinions of a person, but through what God's Word says is true. That's why this series has been so important. Are you ready to be in church today? Come on, fired up. Is your, is your mind ready? Is your heart open? Ready to go? Because in part seven of this series, you've already told me you're ready for it, so you can't go back now. The question that we're going to tackle this morning is this, is how should Christians view politics? You said you were ready. (laughs) So that's your word, not mine. You know what I'm saying? Let's go. How should Christians view politics? And let me just say, this is not a left or a right issue. This is not a, a, a liberal or Christian. This is not a, a red or blue. You will not walk out of here today saying, well, Elevate Church is a conservative church, or they're a liberal church, or they're a blue wing, or a right wing, or a green wing, or whatever color you want to choose. Because all of those things are divisive. I need you to understand that. Are they practical within the government makeup that we have? Okay, sure. You might, you might be able to win the argument in that space, but they are divisive. What you will walk away from this morning in our time together is that this church is not meant to be a church that's divisive, but unified. Unified under one thing, the name of Jesus. And so that's how you will walk out this morning. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is the most inclusive, amazing thing. Doesn't matter if you grew up in a communist country or the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, unified under the name of Jesus of Jesus. And that's the lens that we're going to look through things today in this question, how should we view politics? My goal is to give you some practical handles, if you will, because the goal of this church, the mission of this church is to help people who are far from God reach their full potential in Christ. Today, I want to give you some handles that reaching becomes a little bit more of a reality that you can say, hey, you know what? The the life that Jesus says I can live, I I can get there. And I'll say this, that we are going to be looking we're going to take a step back, if you will. We're going to look at the tree. We're not going to necessarily be diagnosing the leaves and the makeup of it and what do they look like and what color is that. We're going to be looking at it from the, from the back. We're not going to look at all the spots within it. 
So if you're a type A kind of person, you like structure, you like, where are we going with this? Right from the top, I'm going to give you three myths about government and politics. In fact, I'm going to intermix those words uh, directly and intentionally this morning because it fits. Um, but I'm also going to give you three things that we can do as Christians. How should we view politics? Remember, is the question. I'm going to give you three things this morning that we can, can uh, hyper-practically use to move forward within this government, this political lens. Are you ready? Come on. Myth number one is this, is that government should force religion. Man, when the world goes crazy, there are moments, let me just be honest with you, I'm like, man, if they would just put a mandate out, that everyone's a Christian, this would be a lot easier. I could probably drive better. I wouldn't be so angry. I wouldn't have all these things, right? Like, like the world would be better if everyone was a Christian, right? You should say right to that, by the way. That's, we are, whew, all right. You guys are still bent up on politics, I think. I'm just going to try to, we're going to loosen you up a minute. Um, but the myth is that government should force it. Politics should be, be, be forcing religion upon. And we know that this is not going to work. In fact, not even just like the United States was founded upon uh, the values that there's a freedom of religion, meaning that you could come here whether you believe, whatever you believe, and whenever you want to believe, if you want to believe at all, was how this nation was founded. They wanted to create a space where there was not this this pressure to believe a specific idea or a specific thing. It was to say, hey, there's faith out there and you can kind of find it, not to be forced upon. But what's interesting is that we also see other religions are actually still battling over this. We might not necessarily see it so much from the Christian lens, but if you look at the Muslim countries and places you know, that are in the world that maybe like ISIS is going into, or whatever it may be, like they are, are coming in to force their religion. And as Christians, if we were in those areas, we would have three options. Flee, if you can, convert to their, their beliefs, or die. And in fact, not even just Christians, if you are a Muslim that didn't believe the same ways that they believe, guess what? You have a chance to flee, if you can, convert to their specific sect, or die. And so it's actually not working in their lens either. And in fact, biblically speaking, it's not true because what do we see that Jesus would always teach and, and, and the New Testament authors and, and the people of the Bible that are, who are writing to, to us with the Holy Spirit, that they would reason, that they would appeal, they would just say like, please just make faith a personal decision. If I could sum up Jesus, and there's a lot of words you could use in some of his life, but he lived an invitational kind of life. Just inviting us to, hey, just encounter me, experience me. See the goodness that, that, that you can have in your life through, through me, through, through me as the, the Messiah. So we know that forcing religion is not going to work. It doesn't work in our modern day because it's not biblical. It doesn't line up with the truth of, of God's word. Myth number two is that government should reject religion. Remove it completely. You know what? If we can't force it upon everybody, why don't we just take it off everything? Why don't we remove the Ten Commandments from this building? Why don't that monument that's been there for however many years, let's just take it off of that anyways because we don't want to push this idea on to the society. And there's, it's, it's, it's a myth what they want to do. These organizations want to just remove, you know, in God we trust from even our money and things of that nature. Like they want to take everything out. And what they do in that space, they, they, they're trying to take the 
you know, the writing, the First Amendment, where it says we have freedom of religion, they're saying, instead of having that, let's make it freedom from religion. You know what? Your religion is great. Just keep it to yourself in your house with your people and don't tell anybody about it. And the hard part about our faith, <laughs> it's meant to be shared. Our faith is meant to be lived out. And so the myth that, that it should just be removed from everything, I mean, that's why like in, in city and county council meetings, like there's battles on can you even pray before them? Even at graduations in high schools, like to even have prayer in that space, some schools are like, yeah, you can't have baccalaureate or any of those types of things at our school anymore because we want to remove faith from this space. And this idea of separation of church and state was not meant to protect the state it was meant to protect the church so that the church could freely move, the church could freely do and open its doors and, and worship and not have the pressure that, hey, you know what? If people gather here, you're gonna lose your house. Government's gonna come in and just take your property. Your family's gonna be removed because you came to church. No, that's not the idea. It was to protect the church so that we could worship freely. So this idea is not only just a, a, against our faith, but it's against how the original writers of the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, um, have thought and built our nation upon to be free to practice whatever religion we may want. And of course, in our context, Christian faith. The myth number three that I want to give you, in fact, some of you maybe have this feeling this morning, is this, is that government or, again, politics are all evil and demonic. And maybe some of us sit here and we're like, well, that's the truth. You know, I mean, have you seen this place, Will? Like, it's wild. Did you read the news this morning? Actually, I didn't. But, you know, like, like we have this, this thought. And the interesting thing about this, this myth and the reason why people believe it to be true is because they can read parts of Scripture that gets used out of context to work through an agenda. We see this throughout multiple issues, but specifically this one. They'll read a, a verse, like, so uh, we'll, we'll pull it up here in just a moment, but in G Jesus is being tempted by Satan, and he goes up onto the hillside, and, and Satan's like, hey, all the kingdoms and all their splendor, they're all, they, they can be yours. And we, we see this in Luke 4, verse 6. He says, all the kingdoms of the world, he shows to Jesus, and he says to them, I will give you all their authority and splendor, and it has been given to me, and I give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Now, out of context, this scripture says that Satan, all the kingdoms are his, and every kingdom has a government. So that means all government are his, is his. And you know what? If that's the only scripture you look at, your argument is absolutely right. Except we can't just cherry pick a scripture because that's the one that fits the agenda. We need to look at the entire word of God and what do we see every single time Satan is speaking? There's deception. There's lies. What happened in the very first book of the Bible? We don't have to go very far. He's deceiving Eve to believe in something that he said was true, that God did not say, right? Lies and deception. What does Jesus even call him in, in John chapter 8? He says, he's the father of lies. And out of his own character, he speaks. And so now when we look at multiple scriptures, not just one, we're wrestling with the idea of, do I listen to how Jesus speaks of this or how Satan speaks of this? Who am I going to, to listen to? I would encourage you to listen to Jesus because just because Satan says it, who told you that? 
Who, who, who told you that that is true? Now, he wants us to believe that the government's under his control. Now, I'm not going to say that, that politicians and people that are in government are not being swayed by Satan. I will not say that that is true or not true, but I believe it. I guess I'll say it. it's true. <laughs> We're here. However, that does not mean government as a whole, authority as a whole, is under Satan's control. There's a difference there. There's a, a, a difference there. Because in Scripture, we also see that God... Uh, he, he speaks of good things about government and good things about authority, good things about, about structure. So if these myths are out there and maybe we find ourselves, I'm in that seat, I'm in that seat, I'm kind of, I used to be there, but I kind of want to be there. I'm one foot in, one foot out, whatever it may be. If those are myths, what do we need to do? How should Christians view politics? Should we just cast it away and say, nah, I'm good? That's what most of us maybe want to do. I want to challenge us today with one of the most challenging things that Jesus has taught in the Bible. It's in Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bible, you can go there. He's teaching on the hillside to a large crowd. This is found in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you can find that, the, the Beatitudes. I had a chance to go there a couple years ago. Absolutely beautiful place. Great coffee as well. But in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, he says this, you are the salt of the earth. Turn to your neighbor, tell him you're salty. You're salty. I didn't say stick your tongue out. I saw that. It's getting weird up in here. We're going to keep moving. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You are salt and you are light. Those two terms have massive, significant implications to how you, me, we should live. Massive. What is salt? I know it's kind of a weird verse. We just told our neighbor we're salty and that's, I didn't really understand that. So when Jesus is speaking, this salt was used as a preservative. It would preserve foods. It would preserve different things. In the Old Testament, salt was actually, um, the Lord said to bring the salt as part of the worship of the herbs and things like that to purify. So salt is a preservative and salt is a purifier. Salt adds, everybody likes a steak with a little bit of extra salt on it. You know what I'm talking about? Like it, it adds a little value there. And so now we read that scripture. Again, you are the salt, you are the preservative of the earth. You are to purify, the, you are to add value to the earth. And so what Jesus is saying is everywhere you go, you should have a little salt trail. Do they know that you are a Christian in the place that you are going to? And another interesting implication of this when he says you're the light of the world because Jesus has only called himself, I am the light of the world. And so now Jesus is saying something that he called himself as fully God, fully man, and he's putting it out to other people. He's not saying, hey, you're now Jesus. But what he's doing, he's confirming to us and what his word also says in other texts, that you are an extension of Jesus. You, you are a direct extension of Jesus to the 
world. So he stands before the crowd. Those who have followed him, some of his disciples were there. Everyone's looking for change. And I think when we talk about government and politics, man, we're looking for change. And Jesus stands up and he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And he doesn't talk about everything that's going on out there. He talks directly to them. So how should we view politics as a Christian? I know that's not maybe everybody in this room, but if you are in this room and you've said yes to Jesus, you've said yes to this fully God, fully man who came 2,000 years ago, lived a perfect and sinless life, who died a criminal's death for you so that you can live in the freedom. And when he was resurrected to new life, you are now living in the freedom of eternity. That's on your side. If you've said yes to him, what do we do with this thing called politics? Here's what I want to give you today. Here's the big idea is that we cannot live with our beliefs in a box. It's not meant to be compartmentalized, only used on Sundays or Saturdays. I'm only going to be a Christian when I'm praying over my pizza. Let this food nourish my body. It's not meant to only come out then. It's meant to be lived out throughout salt and light into the world through the lens of God's word through this biblical faith-filled view. So I want to give you three things. They're all eyes. So if that excites you, there you go. That we can do, that we need to do as far as viewing politics and how we can move forward as Christians in this world that we're living in. The first one is this, to be informed. Man, we just need to be informed as Christians. And I don't just mean scrolling on social media and I saw the headline And they said that, and so that's got to be true. I don't just mean like reading just a part of the news article and the too long didn't read section. Like I'm talking about actually informed. We are in the age where there is information everywhere, right? You want to find info on something? It'll take you about five seconds. and You can find info on it. So how can we be so information rich yet lacking actual decision-making within the information because we don't necessarily want to do the hard work, right? Of actually reading, learning, taking a a moment to dive in more. So it's not just reading certain news articles. If all your information is coming from one side, guess what? You're going to have a one-sided view. If all your information is coming from social media, you're going to have a social media view. I'm talking finding the facts, like when there's a a policy that's being written or a bill that's being proposed or whatever it may be that's going on in your school district or whatever. I'm not talking about reading like the eerie news about the bill. I'm talking about reading the actual bill. Like I don't want someone else's opinion on this. I want to know what the author's actually intending as they write the, taking the time to be informed so we can make informed decisions, which are the best decisions that we can make as people, let alone as as Christians. And you know what this takes? It takes this one word that is part of the fruit of the Spirit, how we should live, and it's called patience. Like, patience, right? Something we all want, like, Lord, give me some patience. We, We all want it, but I think a lot of times it's there, we just aren't 
exercising it. We've got to work out the patience muscles, especially when it comes to politics and government to, to say, hey, you know what? I'm actually going to take a moment and I'm going to read this. I'm actually not going to share this yet because I don't know if I have all the facts. I don't know if I'm going to speak about this or tell my husband or tell my wife because I don't know if this is actually true what I'm reading. You got to be, be, do you remember when breaking news was still like 24 hours later? <laughs> now it's like, you know, more on the story, like, you know, that we've already told you. Because if it wasn't in five minutes and these quick things that are going on, it's like, man, what if we were just Christians who were just, you know what, I'm going to be patient before I respond, before I text back, before I do whatever it may, it may be. I think what it takes, not only does it take patience, it takes us to have a deeper reliance on the Holy Spirit when the world is going crazy. You know what, the Holy Spirit, one of his jobs is to be our guide. And so if we are getting information and we're reading the policies and we're like, oh, I don't know about that. Well, the beautiful thing is that we have someone who's literally a guide and he will guide you on what to say, what to do, how to act within that policy. It just takes us a moment to be patient, to be slow to, to the decisions that we're making. The second thing I want to give you this morning is to be involved. As Christians, how do we view politics as a place where we can be involved? Not a place to, to cast off, but say, you know what, I'm going to step into that. Like, actually involved. Not just like, like, share, subscribe, you know, kind of thing on social media or whatever, but like, actually, you know what, I'm going to step into that PTO meeting. I'm going to step into county council. I'm going to step into to city council. I'm going to step into those places and hear what's actually going on. In fact, I had a conversation with somebody who was a part of those, and he's like, you know, the, the, the hard part about their role in those council meetings is that they're making real decisions, and like 10 citizens will show up. But those 10 citizens all have a voice to the decisions that are being made. They have stopped a decision that they were going to make because somebody spoke up in that meeting. But the hard part is, is, let's be honest, we just don't want to be involved in that. But if we get involved, we have a voice. In fact, our government and the Constitution was written so that there was power to the people. So we can be involved. We can step in. And the Holy Spirit's illuminated this to me in a major way over the last few weeks. I'm thinking about, uh, I have a two-year-old daughter and like where she's going to go to school. And I don't actually know what year she goes to school, but I know it's coming in a few years at some point. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't actually know. She comes at some point. But I need to get involved now to know what's actually being taught there. What I'm saying is I'm not going to send her off somewhere just to be blindsided later when I could have just done the work now to be informed, to be involved in those meetings, to do those things. Because why? Well, her life depends on it. What she's going to learn is going to depend on it. And I believe, hey, I believe I live in a great area and the education system's amazing. But I can't just assume that. I got to be informed. I got I to get involved. I got to see what's actually going on. I got to get behind the weeds a little bit and see if there's any grass there. I got to see actually what's, what's happening. And if you're a Christian and you are, are a citizen of this amazing nation that we're in, we actually have this thing called the right to vote hey, we need to exercise that right. And I'm not saying like exercise the right and hey, this election, we're all gonna put Jesus on the ballot. <laughs> it's not that clever. One, he's the most famous person ever, okay? 
you go anywhere, you say Jesus, they're like, yeah, I've heard of him. At least at minimum, they heard that. So it's not a clever thing. It's actually borderline irresponsible because Jesus, can I tell you, just in case you didn't know, is not coming back when you put his name on a ballot. He's coming back to bring a new heaven and a new earth. He's not waiting for you to put him down as president of whatever. He could care less. So don't do that. And so, so okay, here's the question then. Here's the pushback. Hey, Will, all the political candidates are terrible. I know. I know, it's like, okay, we're picking a lesser of two evils, right? Doesn't it feel like that sometimes? And can I tell you, we're always gonna be picking a lesser of two evils. It's always gonna happen because there's only one who's perfect and it's Jesus. And I've already chose him. So everyone else is going to be less than. And so it's like, okay, well, who do I, who do I vote for? Well, well, who lines up the most with the kingdom values? What are the kingdom values? Well, what does God's word say? What is week one of this series? Week two, week three, week four, week five, week six, week seven of the, do they line up with those types of things? And they're not going to check every box. So don't be like, well, he didn't ace the test, so I'm not gonna vote at all. I would rather have a 60% Christian than a 4%. I would rather have a 40% than nothing. Give me somebody who's got at least a little bit of an idea of kingdom in there. And you know what? At the end of the day, listen, we aren't going to put our faith in a candidate anyways, right? We're putting our faith in Christ. And so we might make a decision. We might vote for somebody. And you know what? Hey, put our faith in Christ and let's keep moving forward. As long as we are informed and we aren't just like, well, I'm at the poll place. I better scroll through. Who's actually on the ballot? Well, now I'll select this guy. Let's be informed first. Let's get in there and say, who's got kingdom minded? Who can I, who can I put in office to do those, those things, putting our faith in Christ through it all. So maybe for some of you, it's like, you know what? The Lord's impressing on your heart to actually get involved with your school board, to, to actually get involved with maybe the, the teachers' meetings and things like, to be involved in those areas. Maybe it's actually like, hey, it's time to actually step up and say, I'm actually gonna run for an office. By the way, I'm not gonna announce my presidency today. So, <laughs> so you know, I might've already said that, but I'm still not going to. Anyways, so where do you need to be salt and light? Where do you need to be involved in? Where does your, your, your salt trail, if you will, need to be going through? And the last thing I want to give you is this, is to be influence, be of influence. Recognize your, your influence. Now, I'll, I'll take a moment. We can take a deep breath off the polit- politics and government talk. We all have a sphere of influence. We know this. If you, your family, hey, your family, massive sphere of influence. Hey, guys, husbands, dads, you are the leader in your family. That is your number one sphere of influence. Take it seriously and lead. Like, don't just like, when I say be a man, don't be like, that's the man, pound my chest, let's go. No, what about being a man and serving in the way that Jesus would want us to serve? The Bible tells us to love our wives the way that Christ loved his church. To lead in that kind of way, that's the influence because your family, your wife, your kids, your cousins, they are still gonna be looking at you to say, is that the, what, the, how I wanna live? Is that the kind of salt I wanna be? Is that the kind of light that I wanna be? We have to take that family influence seriously. 
What about when our, our workplace, I know there are places like your cubicle area is super gossipy. Hey, guess what? We can influence it by not feeding into it. And we can, you know, maybe not say the things that they're all talking. And you know what's going to influence them is the fact that they're going to look and be like, yeah, for some reason he's different now. He used to, but he doesn't anymore. And I don't know what's changed. And then it's going to open up a conversation. Salt and light. Maybe it's your, your friend group. You're like, you know what, we're going to, you can take charge over your friend group and break the surface level conversation of, man, the weather's great. And tomorrow the weather's going to be great again. Did you see the game last night? Yeah, but the weather on Tuesday, have you checked it out? Right? We all have these conversations. And sometimes it's even our closest friends, we still stay on the surface level. But you can take charge and say, you know what, we're going to, yeah, we're going to get that pizza. Oh, we're getting pizza, all right. And then we're going to watch Burning Questions week three. And we're going to talk about it. We're going we're gonna to drill a little bit deeper. We're going to open up God's word together. We're going to take a moment to really pray for the needs and be, be vulnerable. We can influence our friend group in that, that space. In this church, you can influence by coming, inviting someone to come with you. Many of you have done that today. That's, that's influence within. This. You can participate by, by serving on teams. Many of you do, you do that as well. By giving. All of these things are influence. In fact, we talk about influence in a major way within our next-gen ministries of, of elevate youth and elevate kids. Like, like that's ministry. We are influencing the next generation. I'll say it like this. We're, we're planting trees so that somebody else can enjoy the shade. It's an influence that we have, teaching them, hey, God's word is for you. You have purpose. You have plan. This is not a, a junior high Holy Spirit. You've got the same Holy Spirit that mom and dad has. And so you can learn from God's word. You can step out. You can grow. You can do these things. And God has a plan for your life. And we're teaching them that in those spaces. Influencing the next generation, doing something with the influence that we have. And I know influence is like this, this, this buzzword. I want to be an influencer. What, what is actual influence? The definition is this is the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something or in and of effect of itself. And so when we talk about those, those spaces, man, it's really easy to say, yeah, I can influence my workplace. I can influence my family. But what about politics? What about government? See, the idea of influence is that there's this, this, this flow that goes through you to others. Something comes from you, through you, and to, to, we can influence in that space. So how should we, as Christians, view politics? How should we view government? Man, we just need to recognize that we've got a part to play in the whole thing. And thank God for that. We've got a part to play. It's time to be informed. It's time to actually get involved. It's time to recognize that we have a significant influence that the Lord has, has given us, that we can bring this Matthew 5 into play, into every space, that we don't have to have our faith in a box anymore, to actually bring light into dark places. Jesus says, I placed you in this time, at this place, and that whatever it may be, to dispel the darkness. Because the reality is light has no effect apart from darkness. I'll, I'll 
tell you a fun, it's cute because it's my two-year-old. Um, we were outside yesterday, getting lunch, this little table at our backyard, and this like canopy thing. I don't really know why I'm describing it like that because you probably know. It's a canopy, right? And you crank it open, and every single time, because she's two, she's like, open? Like, it doesn't matter what we're doing. She just wants that thing open. So what do I do? Because she's two, and I'm going to listen to I'm going to crank that thing open, right? I'm really good at this. I'm going to be a fisherman maybe someday. Probably not. Crank that thing open. And every single time I crank it open, I got these, like, there's, like, these little lights that are in there. And she's like, on? On? I'm like, okay, turn them on. And yesterday, we're having lunch, and she's open. Okay, on, yep. And I, and I click on it. She goes like this. Just to look at the lights. And she looks back at me, kind of gives me one of those looks. Like, Dad, you didn't do what I wanted you to do. It's not on. I'm like, well, it's on. I showed her. It's like on, off, on, off. I showed her. But what she doesn't understand is that she can't see the light because it's noon. We're outside. Light has no effect on light. So those lights don't mean anything at noon. But they... They have a whole world of difference at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock or midnight. Why? Because there's darkness there. And so when there's dark, that's when the light can actually shine. And so we can look at government and politics in the same way and say, man, it's dark, it's decaying, it's lost, throw it away. Or we can say, hey, it's actually dark, and guess what? The Lord told me I'm the light. I can come in and influence. I can come in and do something. I can actually step into that space and shine my light. And the beautiful thing about a community is that we all got lights and multiple lights are brighter. And so we can step into that space knowing that we're not alone. To shine, to, to, to leave a mark, to add value into those places. I know some people are, they ask questions and I think they're well intended when they ask it. They're like, are you nervous about raising up like a kid in this crazy world and all this stuff? I'm like, no, because I'm raising up a little light. It doesn't matter how dark it's going to be. There's something that like, we're the light. That's what we, we have. And so with the uncertainty of the human existence that we have, guess what? I can stand and say, I'm certain of the light of Christ will shine through. It always breaks the darkness. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to worship together. Even as we stand here, I, I, can we just be honest for a moment? And we can... We can stand here, and I think it's so interesting what the situation, the context of what Jesus was teaching as to the crowd and to those that were around, because everyone's standing there, and I could just kind of picture this. He's on the hill, and, and let's be honest, man. I want our government to change. I want politicians to change. I want all the things. We all want that change, right? We all want it change for the better. And those people were looking for the same kind of change. They were oppressed by the Romans. And they were looking for this political Messiah to step in and just eradicate, wipe them out, and everything was going to be amazing. But what was so interesting is that Jesus stood there and he said, I know the world's crazy, but you, you are the salt. I'm actually influencing you to go change the crazy. You are the salt. You are the light. So don't lose your saltiness. 
Don't hide your, your light in a box just for, for Sunday, but hey, get out and get going with where I've called you to do. It's one of the greatest challenges that we have. And we can view politics as a place to just push away or as Christians to step into and say, I'm gonna be a part of that. So Father, we come before you this morning, God, thankful for your word, God, thankful for this community, thankful, God, that we get the chance to be a part of what you've called us to be a part of, God. Father, I pray that even to get today as we've gathered that, God, even in the hearts of the people that you've been pressing on, you've been bringing up these ideas of, of places for them to step into, Father, I pray for the courage of every believer in this place, God, to step into politics, to step into government, God, that there'll be people that will be joining PTO boards and, and, and school boards, God, there'll be people that'll be beginning to be, have confidence to run for office locally, nationally, across the states, like wherever it may be, God, that you are bringing people to shine light into the dark places. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, that we can rely on you as the guide, that God, as we assess policies and information and all these things, God, that, that we aren't doing it alone, that you are leading us and guiding us through. Father, even as we worship this morning, God, that there will be people that are in this room that don't know you, God, that you've just been knocking and you've been inviting them to have a personal relationship with you. And Father, I pray that through our time of worship, God, that they would just say yes to you, to receive you, not by force, God, but by faith, believing in your son, Jesus, that he rose to live a new life for them. Father, we thank you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources to help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. Thank you for living generously. We hope you enjoyed this message. Have a great week.